Kia ora. Welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. Um, my name is Josh and I am currently a fourth year pharmacy student down at the University of Otago. Um, but I'm originally from Auckland and I'm back home for this lockdown period. Um, yeah, it's been a bit challenging getting used to the Zoom meetings and all the timetable changes uh, so far, but starting to get into a bit of a routine now, which is great. Well, it's really lovely hearing from you, Josh, and I'm glad you've had some good time with your family. Also, want to wish you all the best with your studies. Kia ora, I'm Indira Stewart, your host for the RNZ Coronavirus Podcast. Don't forget, you can send in your messages just like Josh. Tell us about how you're finding life at Level 3. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us a message through the RNZ Vox Pop app. It's free to download and really simple to use. While many Kiwis have enjoyed their takeaways this week, it's a different story for the workers. Well, later on, our producer William Ray looks at what life has been like for employees going back to work at takeaway shops. But first, here are the headlines. There have been three new cases of COVID-19. One of them is linked to an existing case and the other two are still being investigated. The overall total of coronavirus cases in New Zealand is 1,476. That includes confirmed and probable cases. Now, for the third day in a row, there have been no further deaths. The number of complaints and breaches of Level 3 rules, however, have continued to rise. The Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern gave an update. 1,035 complaints have been received, with 277 referred to the compliance assessment team. Of those, 104 have been tasked with further action by agencies. Uh, some are being followed up by MB, police, WorkSafe and MPI, all dependent on the type of breach that may have occurred. The common themes of complaints were lack of social distancing, business breaches by patrons or staff, safe operating practices for cafes, recreational activities, and specific complaints about in-home gatherings. Jacinda Ardern says the government also has a compliance centre that's monitoring the news reports of breaches and proactively following problems that come up. She says enforcement is being taken very seriously and she warned businesses not to be complacent over health and safety measures. Ms Ardern also defended those calling in to report breaches. I think one of the things that's driving that from Kiwis is that sense that actually we do all have a role to play. Uh, you know, we're members of a, a big team and our success is dependent on one another. Uh, and so I'm not sure that I would characterise it as, as dobbing uh, necessarily, because actually that's not really in our culture as a country, but really a reflection of people really wanting us not to let one another down. Uh, and so I do think it's probably just a, a matter of people saying, actually, we're doing our bit, we want you to as well. Uh, let's make sure that we're doing everything we can not to let the side down. Well, over at the Epidemic Response Committee, the main focus there was on the social impacts that are to come in a post-COVID-19 world. The former Chief Science Advisor, Sir Peter Gluckman, warned that 10% of the country's population is likely to develop depression. He says many New Zealanders will now face a different level of fear and anxiety for the first time. There'll be new vulnerable. The travel agent who no longer has worked for 25 years for one company and is now 55 years old has no future. 
uh, in the travel industry that she she or he can see. The airline pilot, 40 years old, who suddenly sees there may not be a job for him in what he trained for for a long time. They will suppress their feelings and we will think they're all right. And then things might emerge if we don't find a way out. So getting back to your bottom the point, to the extent that we're in control of our economic destiny, that's a very important way of reducing mental health. And to add to that, the chief executive of the Auckland City Mission, Chris Farrelly, says there'll be a new wave of immense poverty in New Zealand. He says the need for food parcels has gone through the roof. Behind me there, there are five people sitting on telephones. They sit there all day, every day for the last five weeks. All they're doing is taking calls for food grants. It is unbelievably, it's, it's so sad. And they are the people who in their life have never, ever had to put their hand out or reach out for assistance. And um, with great shame and whakama they are. And fortunately, there is response happening. Fortunately, we can do this. In Auckland, the council have a huge food distribution centre operating. Um, but we're going to. It's the question is, what do we do in the months ahead? Farrelly says food is a fundamental human right, and there has to be systems in place to help ensure that people have access to it. He says there are partnerships with Marae and Iwi that should be looked at. I'm thrilled and just um, to see some of our Marae at the moment. Um, working not just working with us, but actually leading us in new ways of distributing food to their population. So I think this is an opportunity to bring together not only the growers and the providers and the distributors, but also very much Māori into the space as well. Um, because let's be honest, Māori will have uh, the, the proportion of those really suffering um, who are Māori has always been great it will become even greater in this in this time ahead. Meanwhile, there have been calls from medical experts in New Zealand to quickly develop a national vaccine strategy amid fears that we could be at the back of the queue for any potential treatment. The Director-General of Health, Dr Ashley Bloomfield, says a strategy is being looked at. There's uh, very active work underway between ourselves and um, MB to um, uh, finalise an approach that we're going to take uh, as a country, uh, including you know, everything from uh, research, uh, which might include participating in uh, clinical trials, uh, as well as uh, ensuring we're in the queue for whichever vaccine might be the one that's successful. Recalling there are, I think, upwards of 90 or 100 trials underway around the world at the moment. So we're um, getting a planned approach to this and very keen on taking an ANZAC approach to that as well. So working closely with Australia and we'll have um, some more about that within the next week. But Dr Bloomfield says at this stage, the ministry isn't funding researchers to try and develop our own vaccine. It's very expensive, and that doesn't mean that our research groups here couldn't do elements of the research that would contribute to um, international efforts. And also, more importantly, I think, be um, participating in potential clinical trials. And if you're already thinking about what life at Level 2 will be like, the Prime Minister says it shouldn't look too different from what we had before. 
probably people's primary reflection from level two for the first period that we were in it was the issue of ongoing social distancing, and that stays, um, and issues around mass gatherings, the number of people on indoor venues and outdoor venues, and there's no change there either. Um, and of course, the expectations around the amount of domestic travel that was happening. So now I think people will be already you know, familiar, albeit for a short time, of what level two meant. Well, the first week of level three has meant some more freedom for many New Zealanders, particularly the freedom from cooking for yourself every night. Fast food and takeaway shops have reopened, albeit with some strict rules. Staff are expected to maintain two metres of social distance where possible and no less than one metre in any circumstances. Our producer William Ray has been talking to workers staffing fast food restaurants and he found some have serious concerns about their health and safety. So I'm just standing outside our local KFC in Johnsonville. Um, there's a big long line of cars outside. They've had to put a detour in place actually to keep them from spilling out into the main road and, and into traffic. So that line's winding its way through a whole lot of side streets. It's a picture we've seen all over the country. I don't know about you, but I went to get a curry from our local Indian place last night and I was smiling all the way there and back again. But for workers in some fast food restaurants in particular, it hasn't been such a pleasant experience. Absolutely flat out. Just chronically we went through um, the amount of meat products I cooked was probably twice as much as we normally did for that period of time, you know, per hour. Murray McAvery has worked at a McDonald's in Christchurch for 16 years. But he's now quit that job after just one and a half days working at Level 3. It was set up in a way that um, it was impossible to work at speed and not bump into other workers. And um, so you got one person working on the grill, which is me, and two or three assemblers on the assemble line. So when one is in front of the other one, there's hardly any room and you were actually bumping into each other. So is it the case that, you know, like if you were working a bit more slowly and carefully that you could maintain that one metre social distance? Or is it we could, you know, the people were rushing and the people who were waiting, the managers and that who are, you know, saying, why are we waiting, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, you know, and everybody was working flat out, you know. And the day and a half before I left, and not one time did they come out and say, have you washed your hands? There's supposed to be an alarm that goes off every hour and everybody's supposed to change their gloves and wash and sanitise their hands, which always should be the case at McDonald's, but not once was that done and the alarm, in fact, the alarm wasn't working. Murray says he took his concerns to his manager and the restaurant's owner, but felt he wasn't being taken seriously. I said to him, um, you know, the, the the managers really have to take the, it a bit more seriously. I said it's just going to take one person to come to work carrying the virus, come in contact with one person, and then you'll find it will spread throughout the whole place so quickly. And I pointed out that somebody overseas, one person contaminated 3,000 people in 10 minutes at a function. And, you know, he just... But basically, just said, I kept saying, are you the sort of person who can work in a team situation at speed, you know? And we were, everybody was going, honestly, as fast as you possibly could, you know? You just couldn't work any faster. 
I just said to them, um, I'm not prepared to uh, work any faster than I am now. I can't work any faster um, without jeopardising my health. I spoke to another fast food worker with similar concerns to Murray. She didn't want us to name her or her restaurant. I asked her how she felt on her first day back at work. I was a bit nervous and anxious because I know it's going to be really busy. And was it? Yeah, it's really busy. Constant line of cars like in the drive-thru. Most people are polite, but some of them are like quite difficult to deal with because we didn't have um, burgers or like their favorite um, drink. So they get upset. When it comes to sort of the working environment, I mean, they're meant to be trying to keep you, keep everyone sort of one metre apart at, you know, at the very least from from people around them and two metres ideally. Has that been able to happen at your work? No, not really. <laughs> We're trying, but yeah, it's um, kind of difficult to do that. Because, yeah, it's quite tight and like, we don't uh, really have space to be one meter apart. I mean, are you feeling safe when you're at work? You're not. You're not worried about um, about catching anything from from your coworkers or from customers. Sometimes I don't feel that safe because some of the customer they um, they get out of their car and go to the drive-through window. And so they're much closer to you. Yeah. We were talking to someone who worked at McDonald's. They were saying that they basically raised some of their concerns with their manager and didn't feel like they were listened to. You to do you feel like you can go to your managers and that that they will listen to you if you have any concerns about your work? I can go to them, but I feel they're not totally in control. It's like the head office decides and not really. The store managers, they told us like what to do, but because they don't work in the store. So I feel they don't really see how things are going in the store. The National Secretary of Unite Union, which represents workers in fast food restaurants, is Gerard Hare. Mr Hare says he's been hearing a lot of these kind of concerns from workers. So we have been hearing from a lot of workers that the the one metre rule has... uh, uh, quickly went out the window with the first uh, orders on, on Tuesday. Uh, some of people may have seen the McDonald's in their promotional or news stories saying how they were marking areas up on the floor with yellow tape. Um, there were problems with even that because some of the boxes that were right next to each other, so I don't know how they work. But I'm told now that after they wash the floors on the first or second day, all that tapes come off, so even the markings are, are now gone. That is a big issue. Workers do not feel safe. The other issue we've heard is about um, customers getting potentially a bit aggressive with staff. Where there's big delays, people are waiting in queues for an hour, two hours even is not unusual. Um, they get frustrated. They get angry, particularly when they get in their favourite menu item is, is not available. Um, that's a big concern. A customer aggression, not Look, most people are fine, but occasionally when you're dealing with hundreds of customers a day, some of them will get angry and take it out on the staff, and, and they are seeing that as well. So on the one hand, we've got these restricted ability, that the distancing which should be done. On the other hand, we've got this huge demand, 
and something has to give. And what should give is service times and, and the throughput. What is giving is actually the basic health and safety which was supposed to be in place. Is it possible to put some of this down to just teething problems? What our fear is, is that it's become business as usual, that particularly for the workers inside those things, that the yellow tape all gets washed away, as we're seeing, and now we're, what we see is that um, it all just goes back to normal. The one-meter rule, all those things actually just become normalized. And in fact, it's not level three at all, it's level zero. There are these complaint lines that have been set up. We've been told that WorkSafe is going to be looking at some of this stuff. I mean, uh, do you believe that the enforcement structures are there? Uh, they're talking about they'll do things by phone. They prefer to educate. There is no time for lengthy education processes now. Level three is only lasting three weeks. And if we stuff it up, then it will we'll have to go back into lockdown. It will have to be extended. They need to make it clear that if employers don't fix this immediately, that there will be follow-up, that there will be audits, that there will be uh, checks and there will be prosecutions if needed. We asked McDonald's for a response to the concerns raised by Murray and the Unite Union. They replied with this statement. We developed our plan to operate under alert level 3 condition in consultation with official government agencies and the advice provided publicly. Our operating plans and risk assessment were reviewed and had third-party guidance. Over the lockdown period and subsequent reopening, we have sent nearly 30 briefing and information packs to restaurants as we refined our plans to updated guidance. We also set up online training modules on new procedures and health and safety, which have been completed by over 9,000 staff to date. Our restaurants handled significant customer demand on the first day of reopening, and we have been learning and fine-tuning our procedures as things settle down. Where systems or equipment aren't meeting expectations, such as the tape used to mark zones in the kitchens, we have acted quickly to find replacements. We operate a people-safe system to track health and safety incidents, and we encourage staff to continue to use this to raise any concerns they may have. We invited Unite Union to observe the new Alert Level 3 procedures in person last week, but they did not respond. Of course, it's not just the big fast food chains that are back in business under Level 3. We've also seen smaller takeaway shops like fish and chip stores reopening. That's the sound of the deep fryer at Eric's Fish and Chips. It's a sound that's familiar for staff, but this week it's been joined by something new. We have a great... Um, flying fox system. So the, the food is put, you order online, the food is popped in the flying fox at the trailer end and it's zipped down to the road. Customers sanitise their hands, pick up their food and the flying fox is pulled back up to the our um, trailers and the box is sanitised, ready for the next customer. This is Anna Arndt who owns and operates Eric's Fish and Chips together with her husband, the eponymous Eric. They have a couple of outlets in Wanaka and Queenstown, and the shift out of Level 4 has been a welcome relief. Yeah, people were really keen to have takeaways and um, fish and chips yep, after coming out of Level 4. Yep, it's been a great couple of days. You know, the staff are really excited and really happy to get out of lockdown and come back to work. So it's good news in the short run, but just like most business owners in Queenstown, Anna is expecting some hard times ahead. 
this week will be steady with customers coming out of lockdown and stuff. But after that, I would think the rest of May and June will be very, very quiet until we can get get um, domestic um, tourism back and hopefully we'll get a ski season and that will help. Otherwise, look, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, if, if it wasn't for the wage subsidy, it would certainly not be worth any of us opening at all. That's Anna Ardent, a Queenstown fish and chip shop owner, finishing off that report by our producer, William Ray. And if you want to see a video of Eric Fish and Chips Flying Fox in action, you can take a look on our website. Well, that's all for this episode. Stay home and look out for one another. We'll be back with you next week. Take care. Kia pai te mutunga o te wiki. Kia haumaru, kia kaha. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Jesse Chang, Sonia Sly and Katie Gossett. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere and it's free. Just go to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz. Listener.